0: It is so good to be with you. Brett, this isn't COVID seating. This is Rich Grimm audience. This is what was planning to come when they found out I was the chapel speaker. So thank you for being here. We welcome those of you that are online. Uh, I do hope that uh, this morning the words that we share will be of encouragement to you. Uh, Probably going to be a little bit different in how we go about doing this. Uh, Maybe more of a talk than a sermon Uh, but it is an opportunity for me to share a little bit about my own story and then also maybe some encouraging words along the way. Before I do, this is not a subtle uh, reminder to mask up. This is on my laptop all the time, but I will remind you, please continue to mask up. One of the opportunities that we have here is to serve on the COVID-19 response team, and we are doing our best to try to create the kind of environment where we all can be uh, healthy and enjoying a full semester together and if you will continue to mask up in as many situations as you possibly can that will really help us so uh, let's do a zoom in for the online crowd uh, we definitely want to encourage everybody our entire community to mask up. Uh, today um, would like to just share with you a little bit about um, if you will my uh, life hacks so um, what are my life hacks? Well. There's a passage of scripture I go to on a regular basis to encourage uh, me along uh, the way. I want to share with you a little bit about my background that will give you some context. And then I hope as we go into this passage, you'll have a little bit more understanding of who I am. So as we look at this together, you're probably asking yourself, who is this guy now that is standing in front of you? Well, he was born in Chicago, Illinois. March 23rd, 1960. Yep, I am really old, y'all. Back in 1972, my parents got tired of the cold and moved us to South Florida. My dad, Daniel, and my mom, Rosalie, my older brother, Michael, my younger brother, Patrick, my sister, Susie, and then the dog we found, Pierre, uh, came with us as well. We moved down to Fort Lauderdale in 1972, and then we fell in love with the Miami Dolphins, which, as you know that's the year that they had their perfect season, and I thought that's what professional football was supposed to always be like. That wasn't the case for the Dolphins from that point forward. (laughs) Raised Catholic, I went to St. Thomas Aquinas High School in Fort Lauderdale before getting to St. Thomas. um, I kind of wondered what my faith uh, was all about and went through a period of searching, but we were very, 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 very faithful Catholics, and so I went to St. Thomas, yay Raiders. While there, As you can tell from this picture, I had a few issues. Some of those issues had to do with uh, substance abuse, sadly, but also I was a surf rat. Somehow found my way out of St. Thomas Aquinas and went to uh, Sheridan Hills Baptist Church. Um, My mother had become a believer just a few uh, years after we moved to South Florida. And there I got uh, acquainted with a gentleman by the name of Bill Billingsley. Yes, a relationship to the family whose name is on our theater. I came to Christ in July of 1979 under the ministry of Bill Billingsley. Well, at that point in time, I'd been out of high school a year doing nothing but surfing and working as a custodial engineer, so it was time for me to go ahead and go to college. There was one college nearby, the ocean that is, because I was a surfer, and also near Fort Lauderdale, and that was Palm Beach Atlantic, then college, and there at Palm Beach Atlantic, I enrolled in 1979 and met the beautiful Linda Regal Grimm. I'd like to tell you that ours was a fairy tale love affair. We got married real quick. Uh, hold on to that thought. There's a story there. After I graduated from Palm Beach Atlantic, nope, we weren't married yet. We were voted most likely to get married. We were also voted most likely not to get married. As I told you, there was a story there. Went to Southwestern Seminary, and there, finally... In 1985, married Linda Regal Grimm and then uh, just celebrated 35 years together. This is where you're supposed to go ooh and ah and cheer. We have two children, uh, pardon me, three children. I lost one there in the explanation. We have three children. We have Nathan, who is an account executive with Pocket. Some of you are probably looking at your Pocket app right now during this sermon. My uh, youngest, our daughter Rachel, is a zookeeper in Richmond, Uh, Virginia, and then our oldest, Daniel, there on the right, is an entrepreneur entrepreneur in North Africa. And he is the owner of our two grandchildren, who are the cutest cutest grandchildren on the planet. Another opportunity to ooh and ah. That was lame. That's Sadie, and that is Nolan. So we are so proud to have them in our family. Where have I worked? In quotes, because I don't think working is so much working as it is serving and having fun along the way although a few of these have really been a challenge. I was the pastor at Central Baptist Church for two years. At the end of the sermon, you're gonna understand why I pastored only two years. After that, I went uh, to Palm Beach Atlantic University at that point in time, where I served in the admissions office, became a road runner, and then was the senior uh, director of admissions, and from there, the chief enrollment officer. In 1994, went to Criswell College. Oh, pardon me, forgot about the fact that my Marlins got founded in 1993. Oh, and then, by the way, um, did you know that the Marlins won the World Series in 2003? Oh, and by the way, I love baseball. Did you know that my Cubs won the World Series in 2016? Very good. All right. I'm also a golfer. I love playing golf. I'm not very good at playing golf, but I do enjoy playing golf. After I left Palm Beach Atlantic, by the way, going out to Dallas, that's where our kids were born. Went back to Palm Beach Atlantic. I was a Bad Penny alum, had three tours of duty there. From there, I went to to Jupiter Christian School, where I served as the president for a couple of years. The uh, uh, migration then was to Union University in Jackson, Tennessee in 2004, where I met Dr. Gene Fant. We served there together under the administration of Dr. Paul Quartz for about 10 years. Gene went to my alma mater, Palm Beach Atlantic. He was smart. I went north to Chicago, worked at Trinity International University, and then came here in 2018. If you get in the car with me, uh, chances are my 70s on 7 radio is going to be playing. I am always going to be a Cubs fan. Did you notice that the Cubs are playing the Marlins again in the playoffs this year? I have a hat that I created where the front bill is a Chicago Cubs. You flip it around, and there's a double bill on it, and it's a Florida Marlins. I'll wear it later in the week. Linda and I both go to... Well, that'd be odd if we didn't both go to. We are members of Biltmore Baptist Church. We attend the Hendersonville campus. And then finally, I serve here as the executive assistant where I'm the chief operating officer, whatever in the world that means. Typically, it means it's what Dr. Fant isn't up to doing. I hope you're not watching, Dr. Fant. So with that little bit of backdrop as to who I am, what I'd like to do is just focus us now on our text. And our text is coming from Philippians chapter 3. You'll see it there. Verses 1 through 21. Um, We're going to look at a few points here together. First and foremost, it's not about me. Second, it is all about him. Third, it's going to end well for us in quotes. And then if we have time, we're going to pop over to Colossians 3, verse 17, where we talk about in the meantime. So first, Philippians 3, verses 1 through 4. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. in order that I may gain Christ. You're probably no doubt familiar with the context of this book. Paul is in prison, most think he's in Rome, and he's writing to the Philippian church, a church that he truly loves. The theme, rejoicing in Christ, rejoicing in who he he is, the joy that we we find in Christ certainly permeates this entire book. And what he's trying to do is also address a few issues that uh, he's uh, sensing along the way. And so one of the things that I think he's having to discuss right off the bat is this idea that it's not about me. It truly is not about me. You guys, you get a bit of a bum rap. You're called a selfish generation. I don't think that that's fair. And it has a lot to do with the fact that I know you carry an iPhone and an iPad and you have an iWatch and it's all about the me. But you know what? My generation, that baby boomer generation, I'm right at the tail end, we've kind of messed things up. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that ours has been a rather self-centered approach to how we've gone about life. It's all uh, kind of circulating, if you will, uh, all around us. It's this idea, if you will, that we are individuals that um, matter the most. One of the things I've learned along the way, folks, one of my hacks, is that pronouns matter. Um, You can tell a lot about an individual by the pronouns. If the pronouns are usually I and me instead of we, if it's usually them rather than us, it's a tell that it's pretty much somebody that has kind of a focus on their own thing. What I think we're going to see here as we look at this passage is that Paul is reminding us, even as it relates to the most critical of relationships, our relationship with Christ, it is not about us. It is all about grace and grace alone. And you see that there in verses 1 through 3. So he's reminding them that it gives him great joy to remind them of the few things, not the least of which is the fact that they didn't bring anything into the grace relationship and they still don't have anything to bring into the grace relationship. He is dealing with individuals who are Judaizers. These are individuals that you know, they're going to say it's grace plus. It's grace plus a little bit more. Jewish believers who maintain that there's, the adherence to the law is foundational. It's foundational still for salvation. And Paul's saying, no, that's not the case. They are in the back of his mind as he's going through this passage. Um, These Judaizers, he calls dogs. You see it there, he calls them dogs. Now, folks, don't have puppy videos in in the back of your mind. These are not... Uh, tame uh, cuddly uh, individuals these folks are vicious it's a pack if you will and what they're doing is they're threatening the health and the welfare of the Philippian church because they are saying it's not just grace it's grace plus it's grace plus your effort it's grace plus adherence to the law it's grace plus folks it never has been grace plus Faith is what brings us into a relationship with Christ. And you could argue that even that isn't of us. It's grace that is the response, That is the response, not grace plus. So what Paul does, and it's pretty cool, man. I think Paul just does a great job here. He says, y'all want to compare resumes? Check out my resume. I, uh, I'm a guy that kind of has been around just a little bit. And you see it there beginning in verse 5. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, Pharisee, persecutor of the church, righteousness under the law, blameless. You know, I just struggle a little bit, though. I think think, uh, our friend Paul needed a little help. So he's got a really good resume, but in my opinion, this isn't the kind of resume that you're going to have coming out of uh, our career center. So I asked Stuart... Uh, if he would, Floyd, if he would, to kind of do a little something with Paul's resume. And this is what Stewart came up with, Paul the the, the Apostle. He said, um, first of all, that his career summary is he's a former trustee turned dedicated evangelist, teacher, and writer, saved by grace through faith, preacher of the gospel across the world, Jew of Jews. Very good. His education? Pharisee School of Jerusalem. From Jerusalem, Israel. Graduation, approximate... Uh, 33 AD his honorary doctorate of course was in Old Testament studies 60 to 70 AD you see there in the greater Rome area he was a prison minister at various prisons worked alongside inmate populations to encourage and equip them to better share the gospel powerful and hymn singing services were led diligently focused on writing and communicating with various church leaders throughout the day in 58, pardon me, 48 to 57 A.D. He was a missionary in North Africa. My son might have met him had he been around that day. Taught and preached on teachings of Christ Jesus to those of a Jewish lineage. Frequent synagogue speaker, trained and encouraged young pastors, evangelized large groups. But what I really like in 52 A.D. According to Stewarts, working with Paul the Apostle, he's a tent maker for tents are us Corinth, Greece. Worked along. Side Aquila to produce high-quality handmade tents, provide excellent customer service, of course. He was a Pharisee in various locations, actively persecuted the church, oversaw the stoning of Stephen, and deeply committed to stopping the spread of the gospel. And, of course, page 2, Selected Writings. He's a passionate writer of 13 letters of the New Testament, What Christians Believe About Christ. That's Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Col- Colossians, Church Problems. 1 Corinthians, Christian life and community, Ephesians and Colossians, Paul's authority as an apostle, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, encouragement of young believers, Philippians, 1 Thessalonians, correction of false teachings, Galatians, Colossians, 2 Thessalonians, advice to individuals, 1 and 2nd, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, you see his skill set there. His awards, Hebrew of Hebrews, Man of the Year, he's a who's who in uh, forty under 40 in the early church, and his Lifetime Achievement Award from the Greater Israel. Baptist Association. Stuart, great job. Let's give Stuart a hand for how he gussied up, how he gussied up Paul's resume. But here's what Paul would say about his resume, that it's this. means nothing, absolutely nothing. He counts it according to what uh, he writes here in this passage. He counts it as a loss on the ledger. He uses an accounting term here. Paul has a lot of credits, if you will, on the credit side of the ledger. There's a lot that he can say that I brought into this relationship with Christ. A lot that I brought in. Plural, credits, but singular, loss. I roll it all up, and you know what I believe? Is that everything in my life is nothing compared to knowing Christ. It's all loss compared to to the glory and the riches of knowing Christ. It's a loss on the ledger side. He counts it all as rubbish, as trash, as the uh, King James Version labels it, dung. Now, we're all adults in here, and so I think we can handle this. I'm going to go with the more extreme of the translations. I do believe that Paul was referencing dung, waste, human waste, animal waste. Because he is saying compared to the Lord himself, compared to God in his glory, compared to all of who he is, what I am is nothing but rubbish. But you know, so many conversations that I know I have, sadly, that I know I have, and that I believe some of you, maybe a few of you are a little farther along in your relationship with God, But I think some of you have the same problem where conversations constantly turn to me and how good I am and what I've done and what I've brought into the relationship. And you know what it is? It's dung. Skubala is the original Greek word. It's dung. Some of you have been in our home. You recognize this table. Now please don't tell my wife that I showed her coffee table to you. You notice the sofa. It's a little ruffled, probably because she made me sleep on it the night before I took this picture. If you could zoom in, in fact you can kind of see it there. You uh, will see the Cubs coffee book underneath the table. Uh, There's a Billy Graham decision making uh, magazine on there. Marseille Friends, where our kids were. Great coffee table book. Um, But let's say you walk in our house and you happen to see this on our coffee table. Now y'all, you're gonna ask, what is that about? Did Rich obviously do the decoration? No, it's ridiculous that I would have anything remotely like that in the middle of our coffee table. But you know what? It's in the middle of our, a lot of our conversations hmm. because what we've done, who we are, all that and more that we think we are, it's nothing, it's rubbish compared to the joy of knowing Christ, to having a relationship with him. It's not about me. And Paul emphasizes that. That's how you find joy, is to realize that it's not about me. Turn to your neighbor. Well, you're going to have to yell this and say, it's not about me. It's not about me. All right. Turn to your other neighbor and say, it's not about you. All right? Who's it about? Obviously, it's all about him. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 9. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. It's all about him. If you look in verses 9 through 11, and time will prevent us from taking a real good look uh, at all those verses um, in depth, but as you look through there, you get this uh, theme reinforced that it's faith and faith alone. Faith and faith alone that will save us. It's not righteousness that comes from myself, from the law, but it's a faith through Christ, the righteousness that comes from God. It depends on God. It is from God. It is a faith In Christ alone. So what is Paul reminding us there? He's reminding us that we're with him. Hey, Have you ever been walking around downtown Greenville with the rock star in the room, Jody Jennings? Have you? When I first started working here, we were walking around downtown and everybody is stopping because Jody's around. And I'm feeling pretty good. Why? Well, because I'm with Jody. Have you ever gotten in someplace because somebody let you in? Not because you deserve to be there, but you got an invitation because you knew somebody? Well, in a real way, that's what our relationship is all about with Christ. It's all about Him. We are with Him and Him alone. And so, what Paul reminds us to do here is to forget what is behind, and then to uh, move or press on towards the prize that's in Christ. So forgetting what is behind. What does it mean to forget what is behind? Well, I already told you, I'm I'm getting on up there. And so uh, forgetting things is a bit of a problem. About six years ago, so much so that I went to a neurologist. Neurologist put me through a battery of tests, hooked me up to all kinds of nodes, and basically just said, dude, you're okay, you just need to get some sleep. And he gave me some stuff, and boy, did I sleep. Your brain has to go to sleep, has to recharge, and I found that that was affecting my memory. Well, as you get older, you do tend to forget things. But one thing I will never forget is something that was behind me as a five-year-old. Have you ever had these experiences, y'all, where there's just something behind you that creeped you out? I was five. I was walking home from G. Stanley Hall High School with my brother when all of a sudden, this beast of a dog came running out after us. And I mean to tell you, I tore up that hill to 672 Terry Road as quick as I possibly can. All the while, my brother is yelling, Rich, stop! Rich, stop! Rich, stop! As I go in that house, I'm all panicked, and my mom is asking me, What's going on? And my brother comes in just laughing. That mammoth dog was a tiny little thing. And what I was sure was that dog biting me all the way home were the burrs that were in the grass that I ran through that had gotten onto my socks. But I was panicked. I thought to myself, I'm not looking to see what's behind me. I'm just going home to see my mother. Well, Paul is saying to us, let's do that same thing. Let's forget what is behind. You know we do like looking in the rearview mirror. You ever notice that? We do. We do look like uh, like looking back to see where we've been. I mean, nowadays on our cars we get a rearview mirror, we get side view mirrors. That's not enough. Now we get cameras, where we can see everything that's behind us. But folks, you can't drive forward looking backward. Yeah. You just can't do it, unless of course you turn around and drive backward. But that ain't safe either. You look to see what's behind you, obviously. But you just check it to see what's coming, maybe. But you don't live your life by staring at where you've been. You've got to keep your eyes ahead. And so what Paul is telling us, I believe reminding us in verses 12 through 13, is that there are some positive things that have happened in our lives. Opportunities where we have seen God at work and as... Dr. Finn reminded us uh, Monday, a week ago, the monuments that are out there that are reminders of what God did, not what we did. Most Old Testament monuments are not, those that are celebrated anyways, are not about what man did. They are evidence of what God did, what God provided, how God protected, how God led. So there are lots of reasons to remember positive things. But if remembering those positive things cause us to slow down or become satisfied or to let uh, off the gas a little bit, then Paul's going to say, forget what's behind. But how about the negative? You know, as Paul is uh, talking, um, in my mind, I'm hearing him, you know, talk about being a zealous individual, a persecutor of the church. When he was going over that part of his resume... Do you think he was remembering that fondly? I don't think so. I think he was remembering Stephen stoning and those cloaks that would be putting at his feet because he was the one who had orchestrated that. I think he was remembering some of the things that in his own life, negative things, that even those need to be put behind. Some of you are dealing with some stuff in this room. Listen, get help. There are people that want to help you. There are issues that need to be addressed. But today's a new day. Yeah. Forget what is behind, yeah. leave it behind. Instead, you need to press forward. Christ is our prize, and He's our standard, and we need to press in on Him. So if we are trying our best to uh, move forward in our relationship, we look at this passage, verse uh, 14. We look at this passage, that says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of you who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. All right, so I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. When I read that passage, it does remind me, and probably reminds many of you, of Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 through 2. And the ESV is the version that I've been reading from. Let's read it there first. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Every now and again it's nice to check out the message. Let's see what the message has, how it translates that, that verse, those verses. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. We better strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sin. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished his, this race we're in. Study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. Consider him as our prize, as our standard, and let's do our best to finish well. We, unfortunately are becoming more and more aware of individuals who just are not finishing well in our midst. And it's such a tragedy. But the reality is, it could be us. If we don't have the kind of uh, focus, I wondered about putting up a picture of a marathon runner, because after all, this isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. But I so like the imagery of all in, pressing, engaged, fully committed to what we're doing in terms of our relationship with God, that is where we're supposed to be. If we will uh, do all that we can to focus on Him, uh, our end, our we will we will truly finish well. Our end will be well, will go well for us. And what is our end? It will end well for us. What is our end? Philippians three verses seventeen through nineteen, and then on to twenty one. Brothers, join in imitating me. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame and their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. It's not about me. It's all about him, and it's going to end well for us. We hope. But can we just really admit it? Y'all, 2020 just really stinks, doesn't it? Can I get an amen? I mean, it's just not COVID, political unrest, natural disasters, spectatorless sports. Who around here is tired of watching a baseball game with piped in sound effects? No NGU football, and the list goes on. 2020, I remember when I was your age thinking 2020 was gonna be so far off. We were gonna see clearly in 2020, kind of like with my glasses. I can't hardly see any of you, but my glasses, what they provide for me is opportunity to bring things into clarity. Y'all, this was supposed to be a year where we had clarity and it's anything but. Instead, this is a year where we are challenged. As Jody said, even in the loss of some alums just recently, the pain that we've experienced even internally as a community, but you know what? We're told in verses 17 to 19 that through it all, continue to work worthy of uh, your relationship with Christ and walk in a way where you're worthy, where I'm worthy, where we're worthy of imitation. Look at verse 17 through 19 again. Join in imitating me. Can you say that? Can I say that? Join in imitating me. Keep our eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Does that describe the day and age that we live in? Folks, it's a challenging environment to be certain. But as we live in this environment, if we remember that it's not about us, it's all about him and that in the end, It is going to be well for us because ours is a heavenly citizenship, not necessarily a U.S. citizenship, as important as that is. Our heavenly citizenship is truly greater than our U.S. citizenship. Hey, for kicks and giggles, everybody get out a piece of paper. We're going to have a test. Okay? So don't. All right. How many questions are there on the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services immigration test? Anybody know how many questions? Anybody in here had to go through immigration? Okay, now, this is not about to be a political thing, okay? But I think we all can marvel when somebody becomes a U.S. citizen at the beauty of that ceremony. There are a hundred test questions, y'all. A hundred, okay? Now, in order to get your citizenship, you're given a test, ten that includes 10 of those questions. You only have to pass six. All right, y'all. What is the supreme law of the land? What is the supreme law of the land? If by chance you said the Supreme Court, you'd be wrong. It's the Constitution. How many amendments does the Constitution have? I'm just random questions. Anybody know? Except the history teacher in the room? 27. What are two rights in the Declaration of Independence? All right, we got all three of them, all right? Hey, how many US senators are there? All right, anybody know? If you said 50, you were wrong. A hundred. How many House of Representatives are there? How many voting members in the House? Whoa, we do have a civics professor in the room. Hey, how, many, how often do we elect a U.S. Represent, House of Representatives member of the House? How often? Oh, did you know that? Yeah, we got, some, we got some crackpots over here. All right, this one. What does the president's cabinet do? Answer, nobody knows. All right. What is one responsibility that is only for a United States citizen? And don't say pay taxes. All right, and the other? Vote in a federal election. All right, And then the last one. When was the US Constitution written? All right, I'm not sure we got 60% there. 1787. All right, so in order to get a U.S. citizenship, in order to pass that test, you have to uh, to study all 100 questions because it's pretty random which questions you get, and you have to pass six of 10. Folks, as we get into heaven, there's only one question that's going to be asked of us. Just one. Does my son know you? That's it. Does my son know you? Do you have a personal relationship with my son? Have you repented from your sin? Is he your Lord and your Savior? Are you with us? Why is us in quotes? Because not everybody in this room can say yes to that question. Not everybody who's listening online can say yes to this question. If you are answering that question in a way that brings you to a point where you realize, I do not know... The Lord Jesus is my Lord and Savior. This can be that day. Yeah. You first have to acknowledge that it's not about you. You have to acknowledge that indeed it is all about him. And then it will end well for you. Those of us who know Christ, we're as disturbed by the nightly news as anybody. Our hearts break as much as anybody's when we see injustice When we see pain, when we see death, when we see atrocity, we feel that, maybe more so, we feel that. But you know, we also know that a day is coming when our Savior will return and glory will come and we will be face to face with him. And our citizenship, our passport will be stamped and ours will be a heavenly Reward. We know that if we know Christ. But in the meantime, in the meantime, what do we do? If we realize that it's not all about us, it's only about Him, and in the end, that it will be well for us, what do we do? Do we just sit back? Do we just enjoy the ride? Do we do whatever we want to do? That's actually an issue that Paul was dealing with in the the end of chapter uh, 3. Those are just saying it really doesn't matter what you do. Well, it does. It does matter what we do. Remember, we're to walk in a way that others see us and want to imitate us. It does matter what we do, what we're saying, how we're spending our free time. It does matter. So, what do we do in the meantime? Well, let's pop over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. We're not just going to sit around. Whatever we do, in word or deed, we're going to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to give thanks to God the Father through Him. That is our goal. That is our desire that everything that we do brings honor and glory to Him. The papers we turn in, Okay, now I have started preaching. The papers that we turn in, do those reflect our love for, our commitment to, our desire to do all things for his honor, for his glory? Everything, word or deed, the relationships that we have, the things that we do, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We're going to close our chapel service in a bit of a different fashion. We're going to go ahead and just listen to a music uh, video from Casting Crowns, Only Jesus. What I'm going to ask you to do is just, as you're listening to this video, as you're watching this video, just reflect on your own walk with Christ. If you're watching at home, if you're online, you won't be able to see this video, but I'll ask you to do the same. Reflect on your relationship with Christ and if you honestly don't have a personal relationship with him if the answer to that question do you are you known by Christ himself is I don't know or no today seek somebody out seek out Mr. Jennings the campus ministry team student engagement team your professor seek out those who can guide you so that you can know the joy that only comes from having a personal relationship with Christ. When this video is over, as a reminder, remember those of you who are in the back, rows T and up, you'll head out through the back. Those of you that are uh, in rows S or lower, you'll want to come out the front.